Welcome back to the MedTech Business Academy. On this episode, we'll be discussing what's on the mind of hospital execs today. Concerns such as making back the dollars they've lost over the pandemic, how to resolve the supply chain issues they've been facing, staffing issues, and how you, as the MedTech exec and salesperson, can and should position yourself and your products to address those needs. Join us today as we dive in with Scott Alexander, Barbara Strain, Skender Derte, and Tom Hickey. Welcome, everybody. Um, excited to have you back here with the MedTech experts earning our MBAs. Um, and we were talking a little bit about what's the most relevant thing to discuss today. And it really came down to do what's on the minds of hospital executives today. Um, and just so as a preamble, make sure everybody understands, I don't know if you know it, but there's been a lot of change over the past couple of years. And the entire face of how hospitals operate, buy new products, buy new services has changed. It's been a transition underway, but we're in a very different place. So we've got a panel of experts here. We're gonna talk through what we're each seeing and uh, really see what, what kind of information we can glean to then go take back and uh, bring into our businesses. So um, who wants to kick off? What are you seeing, Barbara? What, what are you seeing as a former provider? So there's a lot of what I call musical chairs going around. If you uh, subscribe to anything Becker's at all, uh, I'm fascinated by reading the 26 executives who moved around last week, you know, those sorts of things. So there's just a lot of that going on because either People might have been disenchanted by how things were handled the last two years, and now they're moving on and a variety of things. But there there are several things on executives' minds. One is depending on how hard they were hit, either with having to stop uh, elective procedures, whatever it was, how do I make back dollars, which I think is a little short-sighted, but we can go into that in a little bit. But that's probably top of mind is how do you bring extremely high value to your product offering, your service offering, whatever it is, because people aren't looking for nickels and dimes. They're using looking for millions and millions. How do I get that value back? Yeah. I think labor. And, and so I'll put that in an anecdote. Um, driving along Route 80 here in New Jersey, uh, you always pass by when you get to a certain area, uh, constant billboards advertising, promoting the local hospital. It's a big hospital in the area. And those used to be very much about the number one cardiovascular center, the X, one, X amount of time in the ER, promoting all these various things. The last month and a half it has been promoting how they are as employers for nurses. Mm -hmm. um, two billboards side by side, you know, very close to each other, all about promotion of how they intertwine themselves with their labor pool. I think that right there is telling about what is top of mind to executives. I have to tell you, I really wanted to come up with a New Jersey joke uh, as you were talking, but then I realized I live in Missouri, so I really don't have much of a room. Uh, uh, Tom, what are you, what are you experiencing in your, in your day to day? 
Yeah, you know, I see a lot of that, you know, my experience in the OR um, and what I've done with uh, different things in and around robotic surgery is is much the same, right? Uh, the, the bottleneck, I would agree with Skender, is a, a lot of the nursing staff and, and support staff, not just nurses, but also everybody else on the clinical team to get that throughput. Right. So I've talked to surgeons that uh, have had their caseloads uh, restricted because there's not the staff at the other end. So I think that's a big part of it. And then um, just trying to get the, the, the financial structure of the organization back going. I mean, there's disconnects through the supply chain. We've got you know, inflation going on. We've got backlogs of materials going on. That also has had an impact on procedural throughput as well, whether you're in the cath lab, whether in the OR, you know, whatever area you're in, radiology, just trying to get materials so you can support procedures has been a, a difficulty also. It, you know, it's, it's one of those things, hospitals average operating margins were in the 2.2 range, 2.2%, right? And if you look at the breakdown of a PL of a provider or the health system, it's it's really they lose money on a lot of things and then they make it up on hearts, knees, right? Maybe a couple of other things. And if you think about the fact that we have hospitals, like particularly we've got a company we work with that's out in California, and um, the ORs there have been shut down multiple times for months at a time. And so, I mean, if I was a, a back on the provider side in my old role. Uh, I would be scared to death about, can we keep the doors open, right? And I think the pressure that we're seeing, it's from all angles. So if, you're, if you have a med tech you know, medical device or you've got a service or whatever the case might be, I, I really think the, the pain points are very clear and they're very real. These are, you know, can we keep our doors open? Can we actually run surgeries? Can we meet our mission? Like that's, these are existential threats to a, to a provider. And the, the thing is, how do you make sure, and this is kind of what I see is how do you make sure that what you're doing aligns with those needs? Um, because if, if what you can come in is you can come in and say, Hey, look at, um, you have an issue with hiring. I have a portal for hiring, or you require less staff to use my product than something else, man, what a great place to be. But if, if you don't have those kinds of value propositions, it, I don't know, to me, it feels like you're going to be chasing, you're going to be trying to convince people just to meet with you, uh, which is not a great place to be. Right. One of the other things that's really going on is a lot of collaborations, partnerships, uh, MOUs, things happening between health systems or smaller hospitals, larger hospitals in regional areas and or with various suppliers or others in the community and telehealth. There's just so much going on. So you have to really understand because today it could be any one of the things we've already talked about, but Monday morning, it could be something else. I was talking with somebody uh, last month who said they were told that, by the way, we're reshuffling all of the deck chairs, meaning office chairs or, or virtual spots, and there'll be fewer spots, you know, in two weeks, you know. So because of the labor they're trying to figure out where can I cut, but then where can I get dollars in? 
it's more of a conundrum than it's ever been before. And uh, it's just extremely difficult. And as we've talked about, uh, certain regions are hit a lot harder than others. So you really have more homework to do um, in finding out what's really going on with any of your potential or current customers. I, I think there's two words largely that come to mind in speaking with the hospital executives and providers that I do. It's innovation and diversity. Uh, those are the key themes that I keep hearing about. Innovation, not only in terms of just new technology, but new SOPs, new processes, new systems, new ways of thinking overall, right? Yeah. We can't, they, I think they realize they can't just fall back even when we hit a COVID lull or whatever it may be and things seem like they start to go back to where they were, I think there's a large recognition that we can't do that. And I've seen so many more providers partner with each other, even rivals partner with each other along the lines of, we've got, we've got the same talent pool, we've got the same patient pool, whatever it may be, we've got to figure out a way to make this be successful for both of us. And I think the other element of diversity speaks to obviously the diversity of the labor pool, et cetera, but just diversity in terms of we can no longer have one partner, one company that we rely on for X, Y, and Z. We have to have diversity amongst diversity and redundancy in everything we do. We talking at a re, in a recent episode about um, a shift to war on the GPO side to awarding more um, multi-source agreements. Yes. yes. I, I think, I think that's the way of the world, right? I mean, if you, if, if you're a provider and we've got bad supply chain issues, buddies of mine in the industry say they're only going to get worse. Right. So, you know, if you're a supplier, you need to know that they're going to be opening up multi-source agreements and that's, it's really going to become more a matter of like, can you meet the demand? Um, right. And, if you can, great. If you can't, then that's that's too bad. But the idea that like I'm going to go win a sole source agreement with HPG feels like it's probably less likely to happen. But even if I'm on the contract, if I'm able to with six other people, I, I don't think HPG is going to seven providers. But anyway, um, if and I was going to make a joke about a, a certain GPO, I won't do it. I'm feeling feisty today. So <laughs> today, right? oh, <laughs> exactly. But but the reality is expect three vendors, expand, expect multiple vendors, and to win by having product and having a better value proposition at the local level, right? But that, that way, it kind of goes back through what I call the supply chain, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because then what do supplier CEOs do, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not just the hospital health system executives, it's the executives all the way through are being kept up at night. You know, and it's like more than one thing they're being kept up with because it's not only staffing in the hospitals, it's staffing all around. So getting not only someone to fill a sales position or to fill, you know, even production and things, it's can you even get the right person mm -hmm. and what's your training looking like? You know, so you have to reimagine everything. Yeah. So what are you, what are you seeing in terms of um, sort of turnover on on the provider side or sort of the, the ability for folks to adopt new technologies? 
Yeah, I wanted to, you know, uh, there's a couple things there, but on the innovation side and adopting new technologies, um, you know, Skinder touched on, there's an internal innovation that has to happen within the organizations because A, their labor pools become more expensive. So you've got to create efficiencies to be able to afford that, um, that extra expense. So from a med tech standpoint, if you have a solution that can help with uh, reducing uh, the amount of uh, workflow, for instance, help with efficiencies with clinical staff, that's an important message to get across. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when you're the, the medical device company, there's also fewer people. So the resources aren't there. So you really have to uh, have a good handle on your value proposition to be able to answer the what's in it for me question and, uh, you know, and, and help chart that pathway through the value analysis part. So I think there's a hunger for innovation, but at the same time, their uh, individual organizations are getting overwhelmed with vendors going, hey, look at me, hey, look at this. We got an app for that. Right. Yeah. And you've got to really be able to uh, have it streamlined to exactly what you're going to do and exactly what that's going to offer to the institution from a return on investment and efficiency standpoint. Yeah. To, to build on that, one of the things, and I'm going to lean into uh, to uh, Scott's uh, New Jersey pro, uh, stereotype. <laughs> there, but, uh, I feel like all the providers are literally looking for no bullshit solutions. Um, and that's really what it is. It's, can you do this? Okay, it, it, fine. We're going to give you a shot now to be uh, supplier number three. Can you manage our system? What are your redundancies? Where are things made? If, 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 one of your, if your main factory closes down, can you get us others? How? What is your plan? And, you know, I think a few years ago, there'd be such an elongated process and you might be able to plug in, you know, mm -hmm. some, some random nonsense here or there, but I'm getting the feeling that the provider is like, look, I don't have time for your, 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 your bullshit at this point. Tell right. it to be real. Can you, will you, can you really do this? And I think that's what suppliers need to keep in mind is if you honestly believe that you can stress that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for even America is if, I was just say like made in America, if you could do that today, yes. that is such an advantage. There's, I'm, gosh, I'm blanking on the company. I was talking to a company the other day and they, their whole value proposition is we are made in America. And I'm like, that is genius. Go get them cowboy. So sorry, Barbara, you're going to say something. Well, uh, just to pick up on that, cause it kind of dovetails what I was going to say, but you can be made in America, but do you have a warehouse full or do you have a closet full? Yes. Uh, in this day and age, those are the questions that every value analysis, clinical person, supply chain person, whatever is, mm -hmm. to Skinder's point, okay, we're going to give you a chance and don't go, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. now given a chance. Uh, I thought I'd have six months to gear up for all of this. So don't go in saying, I've got this, I made in America. And I want to sell you some. And they go, fine. How much can you have here Tuesday? And you go, which Tuesday? You know, that's not an acceptable right. answer. Right. So there's a lot of that. And and one more thing that had come up a couple conversations about three minutes ago was 
you have to find what I'm calling the golden needle in that haystack to differentiate you. And it can just be that one thing. It's no longer like, well, you have to have four different things and we're going to use you because of this breadth of this or this and that. Sometimes it's the one golden needle in that haystack. I think your golden needle too. I mean, your your ability to have a value proposition that is going to catch someone's attention is probably 10x what it normally is because there are not that many. It's, I, I've been losing a boatload of money for the past two years because we haven't been able to do elective procedures help, right? So that's one. Mm-hmm. Number two is I don't have the staff that I'm used to having help. Um, number three is, hey, the entire business model of what we do and what we've done for the past thousand years is changing, right? Um, right. So when we think about payment models, we think about um, high deductible plans and that, like we're seeing some changes on the patient side. That's a distant third, but it's still a third. So if you can fit your offering into one of those three things, preferably one or two, you'll get an audience. If you can't, or you do, you know, your argument is like, hey, we save OR time. We can save you six minutes of OR time. I'm going to tell you, like, nobody cares. Like, that's not going to get anybody's attention. I mean that with all the love of my heart, but like, nobody mm-hmm. cares. Six minutes is not, you can't get another case in, right? You, you can't do anything of value. So you need to figure out how do you make it real and measurable so that they can point to the dollars that they're generating, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the other thing, Scott, because you just elicited this thought, I, I think it's something that's underlying and it's an undercurrent that COVID it, it totally heightened and now we're going to get there. It's the undercurrent of healthcare going to a more ambulatory setting, right? Yeah. And that is top of mind for everybody, particularly the hospital executives. How do... <laughs> in a capitalistic sense, how are they going to capitalize on that? How are they going to fit into that? If you were just an archaic structure of 20 stories and you start seeing that more and more of your patients don't want to come into that building and that structure anymore, what are you going to do? Or your physicians or the surrounding physicians are saying, stay home. We can give you this remote remote monitoring device and Mm -hmm. monitor you from home. How, how are they going to create survival in that type of environment? Well, that's where some of those partnerships kind of come in, is that if you think that you have an opportunity and you've done a strategy that involves, we need to keep people at home in their communities, but still getting health care versus coming into the 20-story building, right? So do you make it or do you buy it? And if you're going to buy it, do you buy something that can do a lot of different things so that people are only trained once or that the the patients or the customers to be out there are only dealing with one app? Or is it something like I've got an app for this and then someone else has an app for that? So there's all of these different ways in which you can partner, but both on the hospital side, they have to be ready strategically to do that. So, you know, do you have like a air traffic control control center that's going to get all these messages and push them out? And how is all that going to happen? And how acceptable is that to clinicians, uh, surgeons, other physicians, that sort of thing? So big deals. 
Yeah. One of the things you just reminded me of, Barbara, uh, back when I was running sourcing at Mercy, um, it was always amazing to me because I came from Medtronic where we had a whole, we had teams of people around conversions. You had a surgical stapler conversion opportunity, right? You were flying people in, right? Didn't matter. We were going to, we were going to make sure it went well. And then I got to the provider side and we would sign a contract with company X for whatever the case might be. And they expected us to do the conversion. And that was, you know, that was five, six years ago. So fast forward to today, I mean, it was, it was, it would make me mad because I'm like, guys, you're the ones who want the money and you can't come in and train my staff. You can't come in and do this. Fast forward to today, nobody has anybody, any employees. Like that's the problem. One of the big problems we talked about at the beginning is like, who's going to do the work? So I think if you're looking for silver linings, that may be one of those figure out. uh, And, and by the way, I've got strong opinions about people that say that you can't hire in this environment. I don't buy that. Right. It's more challenging, but you can do it figure out how you can take staffing and make it a competitive advantage, right? Or call it like Skender, right? Have you met Skender? Yeah. Like- Skender's <laughs> been sitting over there with this grin on his face while you were talking. Yeah, right. Only because literally in the last month, we've had four organizations, new customers come to us and we're starting relationships with them and we're getting the paperwork together and they're primarily entering into our relationship right now because the GPO or IDN contract they're about to sign, the yep. last piece of information they don't have is how are you going to do this? Mm-hmm. If we sign with you, how are you going to implement? And so these organizations are literally signing with us, the clinician exchange to say, the clinician exchange is my partner in this and we will be able to implement utilizing the, information. Those are some, some good product plugs right there. The clinician Thank exchange. You. Thank you. For, yeah. for your outsourced clinical <laughs> needs, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the other question I'd like to raise is we've talked about shortages in and around labor and some backlogs there and some squeeze points. The other squeeze point that I'm sensing is one coming out of IT. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, devices are requiring data or will send data or, gosh, we need an integration to do this. We're doing remote patient monitoring. And the choke point that I'm hearing about, and I'm far from an expert here, but I've been picking up on, is IT departments at your basic, you know, your just about every hospital have a backlog of two years. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to be wow. efficient, we're going to do all these new things that we're going to plug into the, you know, the medical record, we're going to do this, but we'll get to that in 24 or 30 months. You know, how does that help us? a lot of prioritizing going on out there because uh, I'll just give you a little example, just day-to-day stuff. So there's been backlogs on uh, blood drawing tubes. So when you go to an alternate company, you've got to do all the validation testing in the lab. You've got to maybe do new normals, all that sort of thing. Well, guess who has to help with all that? And it has to be done in short order because you may run out of your current uh, product within a week or less. So that's the IT folks. So there's a lot of prioritizing. Same thing with what's been going on the last couple of weeks with contrast media. If you have to now get it from another company, you've got to put in uh, things in all of your automated radiology equipment, and that's all IT. So there's a lot of priorities, let alone you know trying to bring up uh, new 
uh, EMRs and all that sort of thing. So you're you're right on. Yeah. So if you're a, if you're a, a, a medical technology company out there, that's part of what you've got to be thinking about in your implementation is how can we hit the easy button for individuals in um, IT and the support services that go around it? Yeah, I think that's the name of the game in general is you have to figure out how do you make your conversion, your implementation, whatever your right phrase is, how do you make it easy? Um, that, that is the name of the game. I, I wanted to circle back and somebody wanted to talk about that. I was curious about um, the musical chairs that you were mentioning, Barbara, I, mm -hmm. and just curious, Skender, Tom, are y'all seeing that as well? And, and the follow-up question that is, are you finding that people are in same position, different organization or people moving upwards or downwards in those kinds of moves? Like describe. Yes. What like. <laughs> yeah. Any and all. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you're seeing a lot of all of that. I, I see CEOs becoming COOs someplace else. Sometimes that's personal because of, you know, family or other moves and things you're making or someplace that was always their dream place or whatever. Then I'm seeing the upper moves from CFOs, COOs to CEOs. But then there's a lot of lateral moves going on and then a lot of others. I'll just put in that category. Yeah. Well, so here's my question to, to the team. Why should I, I'm a vice president of sales for a mid-sized med tech company. Why should I care about senior, senior executive changes at hospital systems? Strategic uh, priorities. That's why. Yeah. It's anytime culture leader, change. Yeah. Anytime a new leader comes in, they have cultural changes, like Barbara just said, and strategic priorities. So what was a major strategic priority yesterday may now be priority number seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, we used to say, tighten your seatbelts and hold on because we're going somewhere. The, mm -hmm. the thing that used to get us through is everybody else that was there knew what their roles were and they had goals and they just kept moving because you can't let that be a disruption to you. Uh, at some point, it's going to be an impact. And people aren't brought in just to carry on everything. They have to get acclimated. But boy, that acclimation better come pretty quick. And everybody better understand what that is. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the, the culture for the last three years were, you know, we had executive teams that did value analysis and we did all this and we had programs and we involved all these people. Somebody comes in and maybe they're not a fan mm -hmm. and maybe they go, no, we're gonna go back to these verticals and we're gonna do this and that. And, and people just have to go, wait a minute, uh, what happened to all this, you know, savings and programs we did to streamline? So it, it can be very stressful and difficult. Absolutely. Tom, you, were you going to say something? Um, no, I, I, I agree with Barbara. You know, it's just, it's just um, setting the priorities. And with the, the new leadership thing, I guess I was going to add, it's, it, it also can be a major change in momentum. So, you know, if you're working on something or you're in, in, in the process of signing a deal and now you've got a leadership change, you know, not, oftentimes you got to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, uh, there's lots of stories like that. Pen in hand, ink about to drip, and poof, boom, time right, out. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, so what do you do? How, how do you, if you're VP of Sales, VP of Marketing, CEO of a uh, an up and coming medtech company, how do you how do you play this wave, ride this wave, whatever the right analogy is? <laughs> Get a surfboard. Um, yeah. Uh, I yeah. would say situational awareness. Right. Mm -hmm. And and always knowing uh, who your champions are within an organization and then, um, you know, staying very close to them and and, then, you know, making sure that, you know, you've processed and been around that deal all the way through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've had people say even, you know, before COVID and these bad times say, what happened? You know, everything was going along fine and we were percolating and we're planning and we're, you know, all this stuff. And I go, you just got to hang in there. Here's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to learn to read the tea leaves, put their ear to the ground, you know, all those sort of cliches, but that situational awareness. And I bet anyone who's been listening to our podcast and thank you to those who have we've almost said something similar in every single one is that situational awareness is mm -hmm. so important yeah i think you could use qbrs as a not as a weapon but as a as a as an asset, asset <clears throat> right so you should be doing qbrs anyway with your clients now's a great time to go in and do a temperature check right and then if you have a new person, right? Because we're talking about like CEOs and CFOs of uh, big health systems. And, and those are reported in the news. But what really makes a difference if, is if you have a new OR director, or you have a new head of the cath lab or whatever, where those are changes that are happening as well. And, and one of the things that we're seeing is folks are retiring earlier. And so we see kind of a, a lifting of folks who um, may have been at a manager, and now they're going to be a director or a VP of a department, they may not know who you are, right? And they're looking at a PNL because again, if we go back to, it's about how do we basically, how do we make up margin is, is the name of the game for a health system nowadays. Well, they may look at it and be like, what is this line item? What are these, who are these? I don't know who these people are. And then all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in. I think strategic usage of QBRs is a great way to make sure that you have a finger on a pulse. You understand what's working. You can ask them questions about what are you worried about and how can we help you? And that that's the kind of difference between um, just hoping that you're like hanging on and potentially being able to grow your business, right? Which ultimately everybody's trying to do. Since yeah. we might have some brand new folks starting out in med tech in our med tech business academy, QBRs mm -hmm. are quarterly business oh, reviews, yeah. uh, which are really, really important. And um, those used to not be in existence, but in as the climate changed over the years, those became extremely important because you do, you keep your pulse on everything that way. And I would add that, uh, you know, we've kind of couched change as a threat, but change can also be an opportunity. Right. Especially if you're a, a med tech company and you've not been able to get in the door, if there has been a change in leadership, whether that's, you know, the OR director level or cath lab director level or CEO level, that can create new opportunities and open a door for you that might not have been able to have been opened in the past. Yep.
I think the other thing just just add is, and this is a non-shameless plug for all of us on here, um, but it's literally, I think there has to be a changing mindset and I'm seeing it, especially amongst the larger organizations, but, and the smaller organizations are starting to embody it also, but the thought of stop looking always from within. You know, I mean, all the retirements that are occurring, there is a lot of knowledge and expertise there. And most of those people are retiring from the grind of a day job. So many of them are now advocates, they're advisors, they can be tapped into. Look to them, look to organizations such as these, again, non-shamelessly plugging here, but such as the ones in our med experts, because it's about acceleration, as I alluded to before, the questions you're getting now in contracting with an IDN and GPO are, don't tell me you can. I want to know that you can and do it. And partnering and looking outside can get you those resources to actually do it. Yeah. I, I had one last thing I was going to mention that we should probably uh, uh, wrap it up for today. I've seen a, because a, we do a lot of lead generation for med tech companies. That's, that's gyrusmarketing.com. And, um, <laughs> the, 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 J A I R U S the, um, we'll, the we'll edit that out post that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, um, here's what we find is that people are open to conversations at, at the highest levels. I mean, at, at appropriate levels. So we have every, we have clients that call on nurse managers. We have clients that call on CEOs of top 25 health systems. And they're all having success in getting those conversations going because they're coming in with value and, and people are value hungry right now. So I would just say, don't feel like this is a bad place. I just made this up in my head, so hopefully it works, but enough change makes a dollar. So marketing guy, jarsmarketing.com. So, so that, I think people can use that to their advantage, right? So we're about out of time. Um, why don't we wrap up tom any sage words of advice for those that are listening still yes um well i think this has been a, a nice review so it's you know innovation don't be afraid of change grasp change and stay very very close to your customer absolutely barbara what are your, yeah. what are your party thoughts i mean ear to the ground understand where your customer or potential customer really is and uh, try to fill that gap. That's great. That's Think great. about execution throughout everything you do. That's that's what everybody's looking for. Understand that your customers are looking for execution. How do you execute? Yeah, and and my, uh, my final thought is lean in, right? At the end of the day, I was talking to somebody about imposter syndrome and we're all figuring this out. We, no one has been through a pandemic and then on the other side before. So the worst thing you can do is just sit still. Um, and and here's a very important question. I should have probably brought this up earlier. Um, why are New Yorkers always so grumpy? Because the light at the end of the tunnel is New Jersey. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, with that, ladies and gentlemen, it, is, it has been a pleasure. Thanks, I'll be here all week. Be sure to tip your waitress. Uh, yeah, you'll be here again. all week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get any cow joke, sheep joke rebuttals. Nothing. nothing. <laughs> I, I don't even have sisters to be married to. So. <laughs> all right, guys. All right, thanks, Thank y'all. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 
We learned today it's about how to bring high value to your offering and the delaying concerns that address the inefficiencies on the minds of hospital execs can cement your place in that hospital solution center. Thanks for tuning in today and be sure to join us next time as we lean into the topic of labor issues in the hospital with the MedTech Business Academy.